Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. Uh, just getting back from out shooting. Did a little bit more with the 224 Valkyrie with Brian Whalen. He wanted to come out to uh, my range out Fort Morgan and shoot it at beyond 2,000 yards. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, another thing, thanks to Kyle and Matt. Uh, for doing the podcast, I got to work out the call-in. Um, with two of them, I, I kind of need a landline in that because we're doing internet. And, and the, if the connection drops or isn't too great, we get that muddy sound from them, and I just can't quite clean it up the way I want. I got to work on that call-in system. I'm, right now I'm using a Google thing, uh, Google Voice, and, and calling in and, and, and connecting it to the computer. And man, I just don't like it. I, I, I get it. It doesn't sound good. You can hear my side of the conversation and it all comes through the computer and it should be pretty good, but it, it's that underwater muffly sound and it just drives me completely batty. Uh, I, I, believe me, I hate it as much, if not worse than you guys, because it's kind of like my product I'm putting out there. So I'm really, really not happy with the way that sound is. But I want to thank the MDT guys. I want to thank uh, Howa, Matt, Legacy Sports for what they're doing. Really good stuff. Uh, you know, just just try to get the best conditions you can and and, and you could pick up that side of it. But, uh, you know, at SHOT Show, I could sit down with them and do more live stuff in person where we don't have the issues of the over the internet and over the phone. Um, like I said, I really got to work on that. This was the recommended way of doing call-ins for a podcast was was through the internet. And I just, don't, I'm not into it. I, I don't like it. All right. I don't have a full mixing board is what it is. So I can't tune them. My mixing board is really limited. It's really just a gain. And, and um, it just doesn't give you that that sound that you really need. And so, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. But I, I want to just, uh, getting videos done. Man, I got so many videos to get caught up on. I still have the SIG BDX system video to do that I did with Alan. Um, that video's got to get get edited up and done. We did all the Brian Whalen stuff that has to get edited up. Man, you know what, guys? I want to go back to that. And it's it's everybody wants to create drama. All right. Number one, uh, like I talk about this matrix again because I'm getting you know everybody wants to troll Frank over this stuff. And and honestly, a lot of it, I'm not in a hundred percent agreement. The matrix was really. Uh, Brian came to me with the matrix. It was you know I I driven six hours. Showed up, shot for four hours, came in, had dinner, and then he's like, hey, here's the Matrix. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what do you got? And I don't mean it that way, but I'm like, you know, okay, what's up? But I, I was fried. And, you know, the, the the big thing is the 6XC. You know, everybody's bitching about that, that the data for the 6XC. Oh, it's much better than you say. Now, understand, yes, uh, I look at things different than the way Brian looks at things. You look at things the way th- people look at me. We should be biased because a bunch of people are like, well, the Valkyrie stuff were, were bought and paid for. Nope. Any ammo I shot of mine, I paid for. Okay. It's my stuff. I didn't talk to anybody. The only one I've spoke to about the Valkyrie stuff was JP. That's it. And that was more about their rifle, not the ammo and the other stuff. And I understood the limitations of that rifle. Now, the mile high gun is just friggin' flat out shooting. It's fun. It's no recoil. It's got a uh, you know um, performance. It's really, really good. Okay, and I think the Valkyrie as a round, just from my personal experience in shooting it, it's working really well. 
You want to call me biased. You want to call me bought and sold. You want to, you know, start putting down and, and coming and trolling me. Whatever, dude. It, but that's not how it is. Now, going back to that matrix, okay? Number one, there's I didn't know there was 6XC ammo, loaded ammo beyond the tub stuff, uh, what he does. But apparently Norma has 6XC loaded ammo. Okay, no clue. I'm sure it's slow as shit. Most people are pushing the six millimeter stuff in in the, in the XC and like my my I shoot six Creedmoor, my six Creedmoor load in my Gap friggin was their was one of their team rifles, is thirty one seventy, thirty one seventy. It burns barrels out quick. Guys pushing the six XC that fast burn barrels out quick. You know, this guy who posted on YouTube saying I took a credibility hit or something. You know what? Bite me. It, credibility hit. There's two people in the conversation. I, I love this, and I'm going to get into it in a second. I love these two people in the conversation, but it's all on Frank. Two people can't have different opinions from everybody else. I mean, that's the whole point of kind of navigating all this stuff. Shit is changing every single day. Okay, new load development, new this, new that, do this, find a sweet spot in a node, get this. The Dasher in the in, in the BR stuff, like talking with Adam, they're at 2950. That's their sweet spot. Not too hard, not too soft. It puts them in a nice little zone. Like I said, my six Creedmoor, I'm in a 31. I think with the factory ammo, I'm, at, I'm down to the 29s. So what is Norma factory ammo speed? Because this guy's like, 300 meter international comp. Shit ain't gonna show up at 300 meters, dude. When things start going, I mean, if the if the gun's shooting quarter minute with the load or even best, I don't know what they're shooting, but you're not gonna see a lot of the things we'll see at farther distance at 300. Okay, you can hide a lot at 300 yards. And in the fact people are are successful with it, good. That's that's just one. You know, you're talking one vein in one place and things we don't have experience with. The experience we have and what we're seeing, people push hard, people push fast, and people burn stuff out quick and get rid of it and get a new one. They're going through barrels a lot. So Brian was looking at it that way. I mean, he, you know, coming back, he out of the military and stuff like that. Some people don't want to spend the money. Some people aren't sponsored for barrels and things like that or go to these comps and pull barrels off the table as often as they do, okay? There's other ways of looking at the same thing, all right? You look at this, and it, and it brings me to this Valkyrie stuff. Everybody bagging on me, or, and, you know, they're bagging on me as if, okay, Brian asked me, hey, man, get together, let's do this. I'm pleasantly surprised at the results. I'm completely satisfied with the results. Yes, there's a learning curve in the win. I shot the Valkyrie at 2112. 2112 on a 36 square plate. And you know, everybody's oh, just make the target bigger. Every like I said, everybody's trolling. Everybody's got to go right to the negative. And hey, maybe it's my fault with some of the criticism stuff. Okay, cool. I criticize one end, everybody's criticizing the other. Turnabout's fair play. If that's the game you're playing, come straight up and tell me. But, the, you know, ELR, the whole thing is a 36-square plate. We shot a 36-square plate. That's what I even put it up specifically for that. And because and I was doing the Terrapin thing, I just did the Terrapin video, Terrapin X, my final video. 
And it's a two-meter spec on a plate. Two meters at 2,000 meter. That's the spec. So I put that plate up. <laughs> Funny story. So how about this? We talk about the wind on my range all the time. Win, 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 win. And so Wednesday we go out. We had good conditions. There was wind, 10 to 12. But at, by the end of the day when we left, the wind was down to nothing. So then I said, well, listen, I had such great conditions. I got to film a couple things. I'm coming back out on Thursday. So I drive back out on Thursday. I go look up at the mile and the plate's gone. I'm like, what the hell? The plate's gone. It, the wind blew a 36-inch AR500 plate leaning back probably 10, 15 degrees onto the T-post plate because there's the normal 18 by 24-inch plate on the T-post on the frame that's up there. We lift up this 36 in front of it, sit it on the ground, and lean it against the other plate. The wind blew a 36-inch square plate onto the ground. I was like, are you kidding me? It was cranking yesterday when I went out there, and I ended up filming that Vectronics thing. But we get down, and I shoot the Valkyrie. 21. Now, Brian, first off, we're not sure on the dope. Um, What we had learned from Blue Steel was it was about Brian's dope with his hand loads was about 1.5 mil off. So... We looked at what his computer said, and he added 1.5 mil. Well, he was still a half mil low. And so we skipped a couple rounds into the plate. And I say we, he was shooting. I wasn't shooting yet. I was just spotting. I set everything up. I made sure we're all good. I put the cameras up. Brian's shooting his rifle, his rifle, and his loads, his hand loads, 2880, 88 grain uh, Hornaday. And we shoot him to 2112. So... He's low, but I'm getting good splash. Like the dirt was that powder fine in front of it, and I was getting really good splash. So like you said, we, we started out. The computer said we needed five mils of wind. We put um, four on, and then we started holding. So I got the wind, and Brian doped up. We ended up with about six to six and a half, and it was varying, you know, because we're like um, with our range, it's Gus. So it could be an 8 to 12, 8 to 13, 6 to 10, 8 to 15, and it, and it bounces a lot. So getting a consistent shot is, is not easy. So I can see that Brian's low. He's skipping some rounds in, and with that first mag that he shot, his mag holds eight rounds. Okay, He shot about 10 or 12 in the first one. We doped him. We got him in on target, but he was about that half to three-tenths low. So now... We go up. I actually recovered two clean rounds, nice little divots. They make little cra- – it was it was cool little cr- divots, craters in the ground. And we ended up finding – like I stepped on the round. He's like, dude, under your foot. And I'm like, what? And he's like, there's a bullet. And it was one of the Valkyries. So we get it. We see we're a little low. We get everything. And we go down. He loads up his second mag. We see he's, he's skipping and he's got like this perfectly straight line of skips into the plate. Now, they didn't set off the flasher. I put a flasher on the plate. I got the target out there. It's freshly painted. We got a water line. Everything's good. Conditions are, are good enough. The wind's coming from the left. No problem. So left wind, 8 to 12 miles an hour. 21, 12. We end up, we need, he's holding 36 mils. Okay, he gets some hits, everything's good. We go down range and we look. He needs about 36.3 to be centered up. 
You say, okay, 36-3, that's probably a good number. So a little favor, just a little high on the plate. Well, he, I load the mag and he says, hey, you want to shoot? You, you, you want to take a turn and you shoot? I said, yeah, I'll shoot. So I go stone cold. My first shots of the day, we hadn't done anything. We just got out there. And what I do is I go and, and I load eight rounds into the mag. Get down, get settled in. I'm looking at the tremor. Now, the tremor's got to be the way we were holding over. We had 27 mils dro- dialed in. I'm holding nine mils, nine and a half, kind of nine three, a little over. Nine three, I'm holding line nine. So he's at 14 power. And I didn't have my glasses on and stuff. And so I'm looking at this tremor reticle. And I'm, I'm not a tremor reticle fan. I mean, it has its uses. It, 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 it's mills. It works. I get it. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, where's the two mil mark on this dang thing? Where's the two mil mark? And, and, and all right, yeah, that line looks like the two because it's the nine is that like micro fine line. You got the thicker is the even numbers and then the micro fine is the odd. So uh, Brian's talking to me and I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just yesing him and kind of looking at it. So I get lined up on the plate. I send the first round, I get a hit. I send the second round, I get a hit. I send the third round, I get a hit. So I ended up getting three in a row, first, second, and third round hits with the mile high Valkyrie build at 2112. 36 square plate, okay? Technically, it would be the world record thing. You know what I mean? It fit. We filmed it. We had witnesses. We had stuff on the target. It was my first shots of the day. I did not practice. Now, the gun was doped from Brian. Uh, That's a bit of gray area. You know, I don't know what it says about his gun, me shooting it. But the gun was doped from Brian uh, and other than the wind, chasing the wind. Well, after that third hit, the wind changed dramatically because it was coming down throughout the day. It ended up dropping down to like a one mil, which would have been a five mil hold. So we got four dialed on. We're holding in the reticle, the rest. So we end up kind of going from two and a half to two to one and a half to one. And finally, it kind of catches back up. And then Brian jumped. I only shot my eight rounds. That was the only rounds at 2112 I shot were the eight rounds. I got a first, second, and third round hit. Woohoo for Frank. Pat on the back. George Costanza. Get up and go. That was it. So then Brian jumped back on. He gets on it. He ended up with some skips and hits. We ended up with like, you know, we we both averaged about three hits. There was some skips in there, which we didn't count any of the skips. I have some of the stuff on video. I didn't have a GoPro on the target when I shot. We only had the GoPro on the target when Brian shot. I probably will mix it in just so you can see. But uh, I didn't have a GoPro for me on the target. I just had the camera on me when I hit. And unfortunately, at 2112, you can't see the flasher. You can't see anything. You can see where I'm shooting. You just can't see the target or anything like that. Um, You know, you just got to go by my word and Brian's word that I hit the target. So then, you know, so now everybody's breaking my balls about the damn Valkyrie stuff. Like I said, I'm a fan. I think it works. I think there's a lot of potential. And I really, really do believe it's going to go the exact same route as the 6.5 Creed. I highly doubt Hornaday would invest, Federal would invest, and all these other companies like Savage are doing this stuff. I really think it's a good crossover round. Carbine to, to long gun. You know what I mean? It, it, it fills the bill. Now, guys are asking me about the 6.5 Grendel. I have limited 
older experience with the Grendel. I haven't gone near it in ages. But before I jumped on, I kind of did a quick little look. And you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know what the rifles people are using. I don't know what they consider muzzle velocity for all this stuff. But what I see in the 6.5 Grendel is too small a caliber for too big a bullet. I'm finding that, like this guy had a video and I just saw it today. He had zero views when I looked at it. I caught it soon. And, and I took a quick look around the block. 2450 to 2600 if that most are like 2450 to 2550 feet per second with a 123 grain bullet sorry guys it's not viable it's too slow too fast any argument i'm seeing against the valkyrie all pertains to the 65 grendel the valkyrie completely smokes this stuff and puts our muzzle velocity right in line with the creedmoor stuff okay so I'm not really, you know, a fan of the 6.5 Grendel. A 6 Grendel or the 22 Grendel would probably work. Do the 22 Grendel and see where that goes. I don't think the 6.5 Grendel is viable. I've never seen it in person to be viable. I know I had guys come to matches and come to Sniper's Hide and down to Rifles Only with Grendels. They never did well. Never. Okay. On paper, maybe it, it shows better. In, a, in reality, it doesn't. It doesn't really work. So, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Here's, here's, here's the problem I'm running into. I'm public. I'm media. I'm talking. This goes to the Caliber Matrix working with Brian. This goes to the 224 Valkyrie, the 65 Grendel, the 22 Creedmoor. The 6.5 SOM 4S, the, the, the 6 PRC, the 300 PRC, it's changing so fast, I can't keep up with all these different things. So you kind of hear a piece about this or see something on that. Meanwhile, there's somebody, you know, across the pond and around the corner, like with the 6 Creedmoor factory ammo from Norma or 6XC, the 6XC factory ammo from Norma. Neither one of us knew it existed, okay? Never saw it. And like I said, coming from Norma, it's got to be slow as shit. It's got to be friggin' really slow. So I'm sure you're getting 1,800 rounds of barrel life out of it. But it's becoming too much, too fast, too often, too many variants. You, you got to almost start pulling in all of these niche people to keep up. It's just overwhelming now. I try to stay in my lane as best I can, but at the same time, everybody wants to, your opinion. It's it's in all it is is an opinion. Are there biases? Yes, there's biases. I'm shorter. Okay, I don't want heavy. You know, do I want to build a bench rest F class gun and shoot PRS NRL with it? No. I want the other direction. I want to go lighter. My shoulder and neck is jacked up. My back, my sciatic, my I'm, I'm, I'm wrecked. I got to go get some work done. You know what I mean? Physically, I don't want heavy. My AI is kicking my ass. And that's like 16, 18, right? Carrying it takes something out of me from point A to point B. And, I, and, and shooting it's not the problem because none of these things have recoil. Uh, you know, go back to the Insight when I went to Canada with Insight Arms and those guys. Um. Harley's rifle was like 26 pounds straight taper. I think he was 6XC if I, if I remember right. And a two ounce trigger. 
of course things are going to work different for him. That's the direction they're going. You know, guys were just uh, Morgan. Morgan came on Sniper's Hide and was talking in one of the threads for the Everyday Sniper podcast from uh, Corpus, South Texas. And guys were talking about, you know, Buck Holly and his 308. Well, Buck Holly and his 308, and Morgan came on and corrected the record. And here's some, I didn't know this. His 308's 30 pounds. So he can do the recoil, the free recoil stuff and all that other things. Do you want to go in that direction? And that brings me full circle around and where I want to address. So Phil Vallejo, Gunworks, Marine Corps, Scout Sniper Instructor, great dude, hardcore competitor, enlightened instructor and trainer, is posting these videos. And he goes and he's, he's posting little one, two-minute videos showing him practicing his, his, his drills. And somebody comes on and says, hey, Phil, how about free recoil? And Phil's like, nope, don't teach it. Don't like the idea of it. I'm not a fan for the following reasons. And everybody acknowledges free recoil is a tool in the toolbox. If you have half a brain, you understand free recoil has been around forever. Google, YouTube, free recoil, bench rest. All they do is free recoil their shit. Okay? So any of these friggin' Johnny-come-latelys who want to go out there and pretend like they have some secret sauce to this, you know, going with a 20-plus pound gun with a straight taper barrel with a minimum caliber with the least amount of recoil they can suffer and an 8-ounce or less trigger is not the same as playing a marksman, okay? It's tour guide versus technician. You are not a technically proficient guy if that's where you're good. Look at them, watch them. These are guys that just put, touch the trigger, let it go. I mean, granted, if you want to go and rest your thumb on the back of the trigger guard and then use your index finger to press the trigger and say, well, I'm following through that where that's the one time I do follow through. That's still not trigger control. Your hand's off the gun. You're not back into the shoulder pocket. There's elements of a good shooting position that translates through all calibers, all scenarios. Jacob had a saying. Jacob used to say, there is not a shooting problem that or, 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 a, or a shooting problem doesn't exist that can't be solved with the proper application of the fundamentals of marksmanship. At the same time, we could spin up a big heavy rifle with no recoil with a super light trigger and put it in some kind of bag, fixture, rest, whatever the case may be, and let it shoot on its own and it will shoot itty bitty groups. We know this from the bench rest world. Look at those guys. Look what they do. Go to Google, Google it, watch the videos, and see what they look like shooting. Because that's what these guys look like shooting. Does it work within its specific game in its lane? Yes, it does. However, that said, it's a trick and it's not marksmanship. It's a tip and trick and it's not a trade. Go shoot bench rest. If we want to go in, we're going into F class. We're moving into this F class vein. So I came on and 
I made like one little line stuff, and then I, now I'm driving home yesterday. So now I get in the car, I finish, I film my ver- my vortex or yeah, vortex. I film my Vectronic stuff. I'm out on the range. I do my thing. I I get in the car and I drive home. And just before I go, I see Phil's post is blowing up, and there's all kinds of this thing. So I make a couple comments, real short. Immediately, I get guys like Jim C coming on, and they start attacking me. I'm the low hanging fruit. That everybody can, you know, agree. Let's attack Frank and we're all good. So then they start making memes about me. Forget that Phil's giving you pros and cons. Kalen's giving you pros and cons. There's other guys that come on and say, hey, I'm not a fan. I make a few offhand comments and immediately I'm public enemy number one. And they're all beating me up in the memes. And now I'm the arbiter of everything, you know, Wrong with the idea that some people don't like free recoil. None of them, none of these gutless wonders will make the memes about Phil or Kalen or any of the other guys, but they'll do it with me. You know, it's funny. With Sniper's Hide when it started, and I was thinking about this last night, you know, looking at this, because I'm done with the, I'll answer them here and fuck them. You know what I mean? But Sniper's Hide starts... I give all these people, hey, Frank, I got a new idea. Hey, Frank, I'm this guy. I'm coming up with something. Hey, man, you need a leg up? Yeah, I want to get over the hurdle. I'm new business, small owner, new guy. Help me. Give me a leg up. Dude, come on over. My back goes against the wall. I put my, 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 my hands down. I take their foot. Hey, man, put your foot here. I'll lift you up. That was how I ran Sniper's Hide, and I still run it to this day if you have the minimal amount of respect give him a foot up hey thanks man i need to go a little higher all right man my shoulder there you go right put your foot on my shoulder step up and you can get over and you know what some of these guys are doing and their minions are doing they're kicking me in the face on the way up and over now that they don't need me now that they've got to the top they're raising themselves up to the to, to this new bar and they're getting ready to go over They want to kick me in the face on the way up. Granted, all these guys, and some of them are are slick. I see what they say on the back, and they they don't realize that there's stuff that you could see and and realize what's happening. But it's it's definitely there, and and they're doing it. And and it's kind of, it's telling that now that they don't need you, they're all about it. When you were a cheerleader for them, and when 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 you were in their court, and you're like, go, man, yes, take this. Run with it. That's a good idea. Run with it. And if you need help, call me. Hey, Frank, make a video. Hey, Frank, plug me on Sniper's Hide. Hey, can I get in there? I don't have all that money to be a commercial sales. Can you help me? Absolutely, dude. Give me a little bit. All right. Or the ones that come in under the radar. And then what are they doing? Kick them. Go ahead, guys. Kick them. Yeah, we don't agree with Kick them. Fuck you, mothers. I just had to get that off my chest. I don't care if you free recoil. You don't look good. I get it's, you know, you're buying a hit. Good for you. Or, you know, we can now train a monkey to point a rifle on a bag, balance it, and touch off as light as possible trigger. Okay, yeah. Does it hit the target? Absolutely, it hits the target. Okay? Because they're good. Our stuff is new. But it's not a foundation. 
And here's the here's the key element of it. And I say, watch the tape. Go watch the tape of the guy shoot. Because of the way it works, because of the timing, because of the speed, because of the super light triggers, the majority of them, and I'm going to go on a limb and say 90%, slap the trigger. They don't follow through. There's hardly any follow through. We talk about it all the time in our classes. We talk about the number one issue is follow through. And what they say is, well, if we try to show them the right way to do it, if we try to line them up square, get their natural point of aim, I get it. It's slower. It's totally slower. Yes. By setting up square, lining up the natural point of aim, pointing the rifle to the target, your body to the rifle, bringing coming straight back in and then doing you know the trigger press and the whole thing. It, it, they're saying their wobble's too big. They're slapping the trigger because they're trying to time it. And, and if they go the other route where they, if they go free recoil, it actually gives them a trigger press and not a slap. And they admit they see them slap. You know what it is? They don't want to fix the slap. They want them to go in a way to not touch the rifle and then try to take it out. Get your hand off the gun, put your thumb on the back of the trigger guard and squeeze the trigger. And then you'll have trigger control. Okay, let's not correct the problem. Let's go around the problem and give you a different solution that then doesn't translate down to the rest of your shooting. Fix the problem. If trigger controls the problem, then maybe we should be spending a little bit more time at 100 yards going through some repetitions to get trigger control down. Instead, it's let's get up, put it on a bag. Heavier is better. Lighter is better. Touch here. Push pressure down on top of the scope and bury it and just drive it into the bag and press that way. And then that way they'll press because they'll have less movement in their in their selves. Okay. We're not really fixing the shooter. We're just taking the shooter out of the equation. I don't know about you. If I had a technical issue in a sport, I would want you to fix it and not find a loophole. You know, that's my train of thought. Does that mean I don't think there's places because of the way the game has progressed that it works? Absolutely not. It's a tool in the toolbox. We all know that. Again, comes from bench rest. You can fall back to anything they do. F class, same thing. They just have a they're because they're prone, they their 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 system's a little different, but the flat bottom stocks. On the $1,000 bags with the baby powder, the whole thing with the light triggers, they don't have to get in. They just have to index it to their pin, push it into place, line up on the target, shoot off to the side, let it come back and reset it because they have 20 minutes. You know what I mean? F-class free recoils, bench rest free recoils. Now we're free recoiling. Okay. And and I don't know, maybe that's where people want to go because... Requires less time, less training, less effort. If you're smart, a little more money. Because you want to buy a heavier gun. You want to make sure it's got the right stock. You want to go with a longer barrel with a straight taper and try to get the balance up forward. Uh, you know, in front of the trigger guard or in front of the magwell. Uh, yeah. The, again, tool in the toolbox. Not putting down that there is a viable way. But... The idea of defaulting to it or calling it marksmanship or saying you're working on fundamentals within that is just is just lying to yourself. Okay. 
That's that's not what it is. What you're doing is you're 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 using a trick to play a game, and it's a parlor trick. It's me putting my AI on the really right stuff tripod, pointing it at a target 500 yards away or further, and standing up and talking to everybody, and then reaching up and then using the you know my thumb and index finger, and torching it off, and letting it hit the target, and it hits. Every single time it's on video with me hitting the target. I get it. It works. I've done it. I don't like it from an instructor standpoint when guys like you who are listening come to me and say, I want to be a better shooter. Okay. Do you want to be a better shooter or do you just want to hit a plate? Because if you just want to hit a plate, we'll just have you invest in a 20 plus pound rifle with the smallest possible caliber you can get away with, with the lightest trigger we can suffer, and go. You know? Go. That's that's the easy way to do it. And yes, it will work. Yes, it's there. But I, I just love the fact that the memes come out about me and not the guys who started the conversation, who continued in the conversation, who gave you multiple arguments why you can do it See, here's the problem. Marksmanship fundamentals take practice. Marksmanship fundamentals have to be mastered. Uh, Lindy down at Rifles Only used to say, um, and I know it comes from somebody else. I don't know who else. uh, Like I said, I got so much information in my head that amateurs practice till they can't get it wrong. Wait, has that how it goes? Oh, amateurs practice till they get it right. Professionals practice till they can't get it wrong. Okay? That's the difference. They're just trying to get it right by hitting the, all they want. I get it. They, that's the game. Hit the touch the plate. Got it. And, and that's all it comes down to is, you know, I want guys with a foundation. From there, you can really go in any direction. Okay? If you want to change disciplines, you can go in any direction. You know, I don't have a problem with guys who are making money and teaching it off that way. I mean, there's a a need for it because there's a game out there that employs it. I get that. But don't equate that to marksmanship training. I mean, you know, and I don't really know if he is. I'm not going to say that they are, but that's all. But the funny thing is the the memes, the American sniper bullshit thing. You know what? And I'm done with that. They're trolls. It's a guy. I I, I actually think I, I and I'm, there's more than one person, but one of them I got I banned them off Sniper's Hide, so they're all upset. Oh, he got he banned me. So that's where part of it comes in. There's always something, but I'm the low hanging fruit for these guys because they figure it's it's something easy to uh, to attack. I'm the easy guy to attack because all their friends will high five them and cheerlead them because they're cowards, you know. Like I said, I give John Pinch a metric ton of credit. He comes up, talks to me, takes the calls. He calls when he has an issue, and he faces you. Not like these guys who run around behind your back and use surrogates to play their game, okay? I come in and and stand in front of you and say, here I am, right here, right now. You know how to find me. I'm really easy to find. Instead, they hide behind their surrogates. They hide behind their little nameless faces, and then they move things around the board. You see them. 
it, it, the, the, the really funny ones are the one you know moving things around the board and trying to be stealthy about it, but at the same time they're public. It's like yeah, like we can't figure that one out, dude. Anyway, back to shooting stuff. I uh, um, a guy asked on Sniper's Hide about bullets going to sleep. And we we had a discussion about it, and one of the diver on there came on and, and talked about his. Usually, the, the the progression and the bullets going to sleep. You know, I shoot terrible at 100 yards. I shoot better at 300 or beyond with my 338, 300 win mag, whatever the case may be. And and the idea and what people want to do, they always want to blame the equipment. You know, for, number one thing, well, the bullet isn't going to sleep till it goes past and gets to 300. At, they're saying it's unstable at 100 yards, so the group is bad. But then it stabilizes beyond, and the groups get tighter. Okay? Doesn't work like that. There is no pilot. A bullet off course stays off course. It doesn't come back on course unless it's influenced by something like wind. Okay? So it can't close back in on its group. It's you. It's a shooter-induced error, and what it is is recoil management. Number one, they, they got their, this Magnum. It's loud. It's big. It's recoil. Number two, they have no education. They have no training. They're not straight and square behind their rifle or they're not managing recoil properly. And they're on max power on their scope at 100 yards. When they torch off that 338, there is a lot of noise, a lot of blast, and a lot of movement. Our brain does not like it. And unless your technique is up to spec, you will shoot terrible. Now take that same scenario and open up the field of view, back up the target to 300. Now you cannot see what's going on in the same way. The brain starts to relax and says, oh, wait a minute, this isn't as violent. You shoot better. Okay, that's what happens. It's a recoil management and it's a brain thing. It's the refrigerator hypothesis. Okay, it's the fridge refrigerator group. We shoot three shots, they're in one hole. We say, wow, this is great. I got two more to go. I'm going to put it on my refrigerator. We start moving around and subconsciously our brain moves. Fourth round goes out. Oh, shit, this fucked up. Bah, 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 bah. We go back, we relax again. We shoot the fifth and it's right back where it's supposed to be. The gun and the bullet didn't decide to screw you. Your brain did because you've engaged your brain now. Well, your brain is engaged with these 100-yard stuff. The rifles will shoot if your technique is up to the standard. It is not progression. Diver talked about that he won money by putting paper at 100 and then paper at 300 and shooting through both. Okay? The groups have to start off small in order to end up small. There's no two ways around it. It can't be big at 100 and small at 3. It's just, there's no pilot. He's not going to fly back onto course. And and I'm pretty sure even Litz has like an open, I'll pay your yada, 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 if you can show me and demonstrate it. But um, look up Jim Boatwright's coning theory. It's on Sniper's Hide. The, the, the white papers are there. That movement in the bullet that they talk about, that elliptical movement, the nose kind of dancing around, is microscopic. Right? Milliseconds, microns, this stuff is microscopic. But it has, because it's an angle, it has a big thing. And that's what happens, is that they're kind of taking the 
the visual of this elliptical pattern and they're overlaying it and saying the bullet didn't go to sleep till it got to 300 because I can't shoot it at 100. That's you. That's not the gun. The bullet's sleeping within, you know, coming out of the bore there because if it's not, it's just going to go all over. Uh, you know, you can't, it, 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 it's, it's, I've been told it's like about the worst case scenario you'll see is about 30, 25, 30 bullet lengths out of the bore. So think about how long a bullet is and go, and what that really comes down to is getting past the muzzle blast. So once it clears that muzzle blast, it quickly stables up. That blast will give it a little bit of the disorientation and where you'll see a bit of that elliptical soon. But once it clears that blast, it's stabilized up. And, and that's the whole point. So don't fall for the myth, the fallacy of bullets going to sleep at longer distance. It's not a thing. Okay, it doesn't work like that. Uh, it's just something people say to make themselves feel better about their bad groups. There's a lot of us in here with this, okay? There's a, a whole lot of us in here with, with that. And, and that's my point. That's why when we, we talk about training, we, we, we kind of look down on teaching free recoil as that big of a block because we want accountability. I mean, when you torch it off the, in free recoil, there really is no accountability. Yeah, if you pull down on this rifle and you're putting that 20, 30 pounds of pressure down and then, you know, all that, you're, 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 you got a 20-pound rifle and low recoil and all that. It's not moving. We get that. But with some of these other rifles, it doesn't quite work. You know, you, 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 consistency, I guess, is the key. And we mentioned this quite a bit. You want to be consistent in your application. I understand different disciplines. I understand different cause and effects. And that discipline has one way of doing it. This discipline has another. This discipline has another. And there are micro variations. But the foundation can be the same. And that's my thing. That's where I'm coming. But, but I, I just think it's cheap. And it's, it's, it's petty that these guys will attack me and not the other guys. Yeah, they'll, they'll debate. And, 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 you know, credit to Jim C trying to attack or not attack. He attacked me at first, but then debated near the end when he admits, hey, dude, what about this? What about that? Yeah, well, we see that. And yeah, but, you know, those guys default to it too much. So there, there is a, always a agreement. There's always a give and take on both sides. Mine, his, everything. Like I said, I want to take his class. I want to see that side of it i you know now don't get me wrong i've been told some things that i don't think will happen if i'm in his class but i still want to take his class just because of the short amount of time and i, and I want to see where it goes you know what i mean i i'm not afraid to do that i'll pay my own way out if is if it opens up i'll take it i'm not a, a, averse to going and look at anybody else's better mousetrap if he has a better way of teaching and he has a better way of training people up and doing this, I want to see it because there might be, you always learn something. It could be the worst class, and I'm not saying it is, it could be the worst class on the planet. You'll learn something if it's just what not to do, okay? But you always learn something in these things, and I always go take other people's classes. I have a list a mile long of people I've taken classes from. 
from, you know, at the top, the Clint Smiths, the Larry Vickers, the Pat Rogers, the Tiger McKees, you know, the Fala, uh, who else? Uh, a bunch of the classes I've taken from people. It, it, it's, it's not something I'm averse to doing. I don't have the attitude like some people do. Well, I won't get anything out of your class. And, and I get told that all the time. I won't get anything out of what you're doing. Okay, I get that. That's not for everybody. And I'm not pushing you to take my class. But I think there's something in it for everybody. If it's not, if, I get guys who take my basic class four or five times because it's a refresher. Because it helps them, you know, as they as they move forward and they and they pick up some habits to do something one way, they want to come back and reinforce the better habits. That's all it is. And, and again, it's opinion. It's not. And I try not to make it personal. But now, now they're all about making it personal with me. So screw them. You know what? You're gonna make it personal on me. I'll make it personal back. And honestly, I think my microphone's a little bigger. You know, but we'll see. We'll we'll see what's going on because I I've. Pretty much after the last week or so, I've lost patience with with a lot of them. Um, they they can't they can't differentiate. They 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 they're not um, critical thinkers. They're they're just you know tips and tricks get me where I need to be and screw you for questioning anything or or, or disagreeing with me. Really, it's coming down to screw you for disagreeing. Okay, you know there's tons of things we all disagree on. Again, be biased. Yeah, because it's you. We want to work on you, not, you know, I can sell you all the best equipment. Hey, man, call Mike up mile high. Go get an MXMC or AXMC. Get these barrels. Get these bullets. Load all this stuff. Go buy yourself a Prometheus. I can spend your money. You know, do you want me to spend all your money? Bring it. I'll spend your money all day. I can can point you into the most expensive stuff on the planet, you know, but does that make you a better you or just a guy with cool toys? You know, it's the whole ownership isn't necessarily uh, competence. Look at all the guys with, the, with the, the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis who the first time they kick them in the ass and they wrap them around a tree or a guardrail. You know, that's always my thought on the whole thing is you get a guy with more money than sense, goes out and buys himself the Lamborghini or, he give, you know, he tells all oh, his buddy, hey, man, look what I got, look what I got. And then he takes his buddy and says, go drive it. And his buddy kicks it in the ass and wrecks it. <laughs> you know? There's enough pictures. Just Google that. Google, you know, guy who wrecked his Lamborghini. And it's always when he tries to get technical with it versus, you know, being a tour guide. And, and, and that's the whole thing, man. Yeah. Like I said, there's, there's application. And I'm not denying it. And I'll employ it when necessary. But. That doesn't mean I, I, I hang my hat on it, you know, fucking like I said, they, 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 it, it's funny, man. It's like I said, I, I, if they were such ballsy dudes that, you know, they all fancy themselves a comedian, go, go, go. Let's see you meme the other guys and, and see what happens. You know, me, I can, all I got to do is say, Hey, Phil, that's a good job. And the meme will come on me. But now nah, I, I, you know, anyway, eh. And it's funny now, too, uh, we were just talking about it, that the military background is is becoming a negative, you know, that the comp shooters, the guys who shoot a a weekend comp have now put themselves on a higher pedestal because their round count is higher. So in their mind, the comp shooters are the tip of the spear. And, And 
away equipment wise they are yeah they spend the money they have the equipment in in they're they're doing more from a product sense you know the the, the rails the bags going to the different calibers but now the the military guys are becoming this bargain basement thing for them. You know, that's where that, why are we rewarding 50th place for a military or law enforcement guy? You know, they're looking at them because they don't perform in the comps, mainly because of, you know, they have other things to do and their equipment's probably way inferior. You know, like the 18-inch 308 guy who won, you know, top military shooter at 50th place. He had an 18-inch 308. And then it's like, well, why'd they reward that? That's mediocre. And it's like, well, because that's his work gun. You know? He's got to get from point A to point B. But those guys are looked at in a different way now. And, and you know, oh, we're pro this, pro this, pro... No, they're not. You know? Just look at the disrespect. And that's just kind of where it goes. Anyway, I'm out of here. Um, quick little update. I, I had a drama with Mr. Fuzz here. For everybody keeping score with Fuzz, he's all beat up right now. So I let him out last week, uh, about a week ago, a little over. Um, it'll, I don't have the exact date. And we're outside, and, and he's doing, you know, my yard's fenced in, in the back completely, in the front, it's 90%. It's just a driveway that's not. So we're out in the front, and I'm coming in, and he's coming around the other way. So I go. And he's not there and he's gone. And I'm like, what the heck? So I'm looking and looking like, where the hell did he go? And then I saw a car pull over and I'm like, oh shit. So I go out, back out, go out. There was a cat in the yard under our bird feeder. He saw the cat, went after the cat, ran down the fence line. Cat took the left at the end of the driveway across the road. He followed. He got nailed. He's okay. He's beat up. These little cuts and grooves. I'm calling him um, scabby do because he's got some scabs. So he's scabby-doo this week. He's sad. Uh, but he's, he's recovering well. He's walking around. He did a little nerve damage on a paw. His little bitty size, because he's got little bitty legs like me, I think he went under and didn't get hit. But uh, yeah, that was bad. Ran out, got him into the doctors. He spent a day at the doctor. And then he's just doing his follow-up. But he's, he's mellow right now, and he's not talking much. He's just not a, not a happy camper. He's, he's, he's backed off on his talking. Um, but he, he seems to be in good spirits and recovering well. Everybody's looking good. Nothing too bad. So that's my, my fuzz update. Took a, took a little bit of a hit. Made me sad. It was, it was bumming, but it wasn't the guy's fault. And then, you know, or the driver, but the car, you know, dog chased cat, you know, cat didn't go over the fence. He went down the fence and then out the driveway. And unfortunately I didn't see it, it was my bad. It's my fault. Anyway. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being a part of it. We crossed 300,000 downloads. 300,000 of you downloads, man. That's a ton. That's like a whole bunch. So psyched on that. The hide's doing well. Tons of video. I'm putting it up. Vectronics, uh, Terrapin video went up. The Valkyrie stuff's going up. Me shooting it at 2112. It's going up. Lots of video, lots of stuff. All right, guys, thanks.